not far away With a Jedi and a Sith and a smuggler's pay Me R2 and Yoda, 3PO and Leia Look Vader and later, Kylo Fit Parade Don't tell me the eyes when I place on my bed Who got the Chewbacca, there's no need to fret Thrusters are primed in the coordinate set Then it's off with the heads like their name Jago Fett I've seen these movies like 500 times On Solo shot first, ain't no change in my mind One with the Force and the Force is with me So of course you will see even if I go blind I'm on this journey of trials and lessons Get lost in this wonder in a matter of seconds Let's jump to light speed and tear through the heavens Enjoy every minute cause they're only legends It's working? It says I think it's working. it's working. I think it's working. We're in, bro. We're in. Are we in? <laughs> Are we here? What is up, Star Wars fans? Welcome to another episode of Their Only Legends, your favorite podcast about all things from a galaxy far, far away. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is my brother in the force, Spencer. How are we doing this morning, Spence? I'm doing great, bro. I'm happy to be Beautiful. back. Happy to be back. Yeah. We apologize. We apologize, but we just, you know, life gets in the way sometimes when we decided to be like, you know what? We just need a little break from the pod. We don't want to come out with 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 a lackluster episode to be honest two weeks in a row so we decided to let's let's recharge the batteries and come in hot and here we are welcoming you all back in talking more star wars and you know what because we did that it's kind of a good thing because there's a little bit more to talk about uh and we'll get into it a little later but like that eclipse trailer bro whoa yeah whoa yeah i don't even know what to expect but we'll get into it a little more later um Come on, tell tell me what is it that you watched this week? Because I have no clue, right? We have no, we didn't plan <laughs> on what we were gonna watch this week. Watch Rogue One, baby. Hell yeah, boy. Yeah, um, yeah. Watch Rogue One. I I wanted to get into some other stuff too, but just lost time. It was my ten year anniversary last week. Ooh, yeah. Shoot with with the with the old lady. So with the old lady. <laughs> Uh, but last night we actually sat down and we watched Rogue One together and because that's like one of the few that Jade actually likes. So uh, mm-hmm. we watched it, had a good time. Love it. Grab some new stuff from it that I'm excited to talk about. But yeah, what did you watch? Um, I watched Rogue One and that was it. And I actually uh, I watched it. I think the first half of it a few nights. Well, yeah, I watched the first half of it without even really meaning to like sit down and like watch, like take notes or anything. And I was just going to go to bed and I was like, you know what? I'll start this and I'll just watch it again tomorrow or whatever. And, uh, as I was laying there trying to sleep, watching it, I started picking out things. Um, and it's interesting is it was, I was picking out things that I didn't really notice before. I was picking out things that I didn't really think about before. Um, and for the most part, I haven't really given rogue one a whole lot of thought. It's always been just like, oh, this is a really pretty movie with no real uh, consequence. It's really just fun in explaining how they got the plans to get the, you know, to destroy the Death Star. Mm -hmm. Uh, The acting's all really good. You get the Vader hallway scene at the end. Um, Just Vader all around kicks ass in it. You know, it's like every time he's on screen. Um, And so I never really thought about it. But this time as I was watching it and actually like, kind of picking it apart, I started to like find like little things that I didn't like. And I found myself in that first time watching it this week, like kind of focusing on the things that I didn't like about it. Yeah, I wasn't like I just found maybe it's just my headspace or whatever, but it's yeah, which is interesting because I never really found anything negative about it um, really at all that I can think of. So 
that was interesting to me is as I was watching it, I was like, hmm, I wonder if it's my mood. But like I am noticing a lot more things that I did, you know, don't really like. And I don't sure. I didn't write them all down because I ended up, like I said, I, I ended up going back to it um, the other day, uh, like a day or two after and writing notes down. Um, and I don't remember all of my thoughts from the, the previous watching, but I think I might have got a couple of them. OK, um, do you want to start or do you want me to? to go through what, what my thoughts were first. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Okay. So, so firstly, one of the, one of the things that I realized is that I, I used to not like Cassie and Andor. Right. And I still don't really like, like, it's not that I don't like him. <clears throat> he doesn't interest me. Right. <clears throat> so this Andor show, I'm, and I've said it on the pod before, but if you, if you're new or you haven't heard that episode or heard me talk about it, is that like this Cassie and Andor show, I'm excited for it, for the world building that it's going to do for this time period. You know, it's one of those things that we don't have a lot of information about is this time period be- between three and four. It's going to fill it in. I'm going to love it. Right. I couldn't really care any less about the character himself. Um, but the th- the thing that it really caught me was that I realized every time I've watched Rogue One, despite knowing that he is a good guy, right, in that whatever he's he turns into being whatever i always thought that he was a you know a pos right <clears throat> i was like you know what this guy you know he's going to kill uh um he's going to kill uh urso galen urso uh he kills the dude in the beginning he's kind of just scummy mm-hmm. like in my that's what i always thought of him i was like he's kind of just like scummy and then kind of like jen urso changes his mind right but then this time around for some reason, I was like realizing that, oh, no, like this guy. He's just a dude who's stuck in a position of having to do all of these things for in the name of the rebellion. He kills the dude in the beginning, not because like the dude's going to be a liability like I initially thought. He kills the dude because he realizes he has to. If this guy can't climb out of here with me, the stormtroopers are going to take him. Then he's going to get questioned and he's going to give up the secrets. And you can see on his face after he shoots the dude in the back that and I never really caught it before. Like, I guess the thought that I or I don't know, maybe the what I assumed it was before was like, I don't know, something different. But this time I saw the look on his face and I was like, that's remorse. And the fact that he hates the fact he just had to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and throughout the entire show, like. Uh, or the whole movie. Um, I've no, I like, I caught on to more of that, like reluctance or regret in his decisions. And the one that really, I noticed that changed it was when he got the order to kill Galen Erso. for some reason, I never caught that where he was like, he didn't want to have to do it. And they ordered him to do it. And he's like, I don't remember what he said if he was like, but that wasn't the plan or whatever. But you can see as he like lowers the calm and like he just sets it back down and he's just like, I this is something I'm going to do. And I really wish I didn't have to do this. You know, whereas before I was I was always thinking like, oh, he's just going to do it because he's a good soldier and good soldiers follow orders, you know, or whatever. So that was an interesting thing to take away from it. Was it like it didn't make me any more interested in the character, but it, it changed how I viewed him through the whole movie of being like, you know what? This guy's struggling. And, you know, he finally comes to peace with it at, at you know, some point. Uh, I was also interested, like I, I'm trying to figure out 
the, the act structure of movies, right? Because when I listen to, uh, you know, for example, Rebel Force Radio, and they and they they get uh, these these people that come in and break down the movies in different ways, whether it's uh, the the mythological um, breakdown of the movie or or anything like that. Their their guest or whoever's talking about it will mention and to, at the start of the second act or the start of the third act, and I'm like, wait, I'm trying to like place where is it that how do they know you know so and i don't know if you know structures of movies and stuff maybe if any of you out there listening do you can you can hit us up in the comments or an email or the the dms or whatever um and let us know but like for me i was thinking about it and i'm like all right if you're thinking about the arc of the story and this is just where my thoughts were going while watching it. So I'm sorry if this is boring, but like, I feel like act one obviously is the beginning of the movie. And I think act one ends and act two starts when, uh, Jin finally, I think when they're, when they're on their way to Jeddah, right? The first act is establishing Jin as a character, Cassian as a character, all that stuff, the rebellions here, all that, whatever. I think act two probably starts when they're on their way to Jeddah or when they get to Jeddah. All right. It's like she has to start her hero's journey, even though it's like a really short hero's journey, if it is that at all. And I think act three is the beginning of when it culminates with the rebellion saying, no, we're not going to go to Jeddah. And all of those fighters saying, we're going to go. We're coming with you. And I think that's the start of act three. I could be wrong, but like I've been trying to like learn how to like break down and like find plot points where like, okay, like most of the time a movie has a three acts, you know, set up three small stories being told inside the big story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I thought that was. Um, I think the mind sucker, the whatever the hell it's called. Or um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's dumb. Um, I think I, okay. No, yeah. So like, <laughs> I think the character or the creature is cool. Ugalit. I, th- <laughs> I think they were like, <laughs> we just want, we just want Forrest Whitaker to say something ridiculous. So let's make him yeah. say this. Ugalit. Um, Dude, Forrest Whitaker. Okay, I love he's great. Saw Gerrera as a character. <laughs> like, not sure. like, oh, I love him. Like you said, like watching him and, and like whenever you get to see him, whether it be Rebels or Bad Batch or uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and these like little mm-hmm. these little pieces of story that he's popped up in. He's such mm-hmm. an extreme character, and yeah, he rides this hard line between like morality and the overall like this is the right thing to do regardless like, of how moral it is. I um, feel like if, if Saw Gerrera visually were to be on a, like if there was a fence line on one side is morality and one side is the other side of morality. Yeah. He's not so much on the fence of it as much as he's hanging off the other side. He's got one hand on the middle of the fence and he's very much on the other side of the fence. Sure. He's barely hanging on, you know, he's very, there's a lot of it's just like for the cause. Morality well, doesn't matter, you know. Mon Mothma even identifies him as an extremist because yeah. Jin's like, "We're all, re- or you're all rebels, aren't you?" And she's like, "Well, Sagarera is an extremist. Like, he's yeah, he he's anti empire, but he'll like decapitate somebody. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's yeah, a little he's, bit, yeah, he's a little bit wild, but yeah. But a lot um, of the lines that Forrest Whitaker delivers as Saw." Like the whole when Jin's sitting there and they're having their conversation, they're finally face to face. And the whole, did they send you to kill me? Like, yeah, yeah. I actually so, loved that. 
Like, so when I first saw it in the theaters, and we've talked about this, this was my first time dealing with a big name actor that didn't get their name from Star Wars mm-hmm. being in Star Wars. And it took me out of the movie. And I think that's why the first few times, like I couldn't really absorb much of it was as soon as Forrest Whitaker, cause I had no clue. This was at the time I saw this at the time when I was never watching uh, trailers. Um, and I saw Forrest Whitaker on my screen in the theater and was like, why is Forrest Whitaker in a star Wars movie? Like literally every actor that is in these star Wars movies. The first time I saw every single one of them was in star Wars. Hayden, Ewan, everybody, Sam L. Jackson, even that's not true. Sam L. Jackson. I saw him in Jurassic park, but I didn't recognize him. It was only like a few years later that I saw, you know, and I didn't realize it was the same guy, no glasses, no facial hair, no hair at all versus his character, you know, hold on to your butts. Now, if he would have said that, I would have been like, oh, hey, that's the guy. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, now I'm going to rewrite the entire prequel trilogy just so I can put one line in there for him to say, hold on to your butts. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Bad joke. Uh, anyway, Saw Guerrero, yeah. The Forrest Whitaker, he, it pulled me out. But after a while, like I got over it. I understood that it's actually more of like an honor, you know, for big name actors to get to be in star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that helped, and I've said this before, was Woody Harrelson in solo. I not once did I think of that as Woody Harrelson. It was always Beckett. That's Beckett. That's not Woody Harrelson yeah. versus the first time I saw, you know, saw Guerrera. I'm like, I don't care what his name is. It's Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think Forrest Whitaker knocks it out of the park. Now, when I watch it again, He's he 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 nails being a old, insane extremist, you know, and he's he's he like he's sucking on whatever that is. It's my, probably not oxygen because he's he's ta- he's talking to Jin and he seems perfectly reasonable. And then he hits that whatever that is. And that's when he's like, did they send you to kill me? You know, or whatever. And it's like, what? I don't know <laughs> like, what it is specifically too about that apparatus that i like yeah. when he sits there and he dramatically like pulls it tight against takes it chest. off oh yeah oh yeah when he, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah when he rips it down yeah 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 because yeah. yeah exactly i know what you mean because it's very uh dramatic yeah and very uh sassy of him to pull down and that the mouthpiece just slap against his chest yeah i don't know what it is but it works um but I think so back to my thing of the being ridiculous. I think it's dumb. I think it's I think it's dumb because it, it had zero consequence. That's that's the whole point. Right. So it's like they get they get the they get the guy and he's like, yeah, Galen told me to come tell you this. And here's here's the message or whatever. And he goes, well, you might be lying. Well, I'm, I'm not. I swear. Well, Bargula over here knows how to get lies out of people. He can read your mind. It can read your mind and it's going to suck your freaking brains out and tell me if you're lying or not. And one tends to go insane. Right. And he gets his mind sucked on and we don't really know if saw Guerrero doesn't believe him. He does go insane. Remember he's insane for about three and a half seconds in the jail cell. He's sitting there remind him spacey. And then he's like pilot. Galen Erso, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. Yeah. And then 
it's back. Like, what was the point? But if they verified that what he was saying was the truth, why was he locked up in that cell? So? Exactly. And so it's yeah. like it had there was no reason really for that. It. That yeah. I neither did I until the other night. <laughs> and I was just like, well, this is actually really bothering me now. Is because all all he would have had to have done was hand over the message, right? Which he does in that scene. And he said, we took this off of him. And he goes, I I gave it to them. They did not take it from me. All he would have had to done is plug it in, saw the message, seen the message, and been like, okay, he's telling the truth. Like, that's clearly Galen Urso, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It yeah, was why just did like, he wait so long to read the, the watch the message? You waited until Jin was there and they watched it together. I did he even watch it with her? Yeah, because they I sat thought he there was and like, watched it together, and then gotcha. Jin went to escape while he sat there and was, you know, looked onto the the in yeah the yeah I, I thought for, yeah for it just it focuses on her watching it so much for some reason I thought maybe she like he was like already watched it and was just standing off to the side like tinkering with other things but yeah it's because it has that um, whole monologue from Galen where it's like you know and this is for Jin my starburst my stardust. Or Stardust. My Starburst. Yeah, my Stardust. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, man. Like, it, it's like, it. I just feel like it could have been told better. That that I just, I really just wish I could. Like, what was the point? Why did you need to make him insane for for two minutes of screen time? You know, you could have yeah. you could have been you could have been something to the effect of like, you know, he's an old older senile uh, extremist. And even after he like it's proven that he is, you know, uh, telling the truth, you could have him still not believe him and have him dragged off kicking and screaming, you know, to be thrown in there because uh, uh, defector or not Imperials are scum or whatever, you know, yeah. like something like that of like where it's just like to show you just how extreme Saw Gerrera is. It's like this guy abandons. The, you know, the empire or whatever, or, or even something like, yeah. Thank like you, you for the like, acting. You still have war crimes to pay for exactly yeah. that. Or, or even like, uh, you're disloyal to the uh, disloyalty to the empire. Who's to say you wouldn't do that to the rebellion, you know, or whatever, like anything like that. And then make you be like, oh man, this guy's crazy. And you know, he <laughs> oh, could, man, and then you could have wild, bro. <laughs> oh man, they saw it's crazy, bro. Yeah. That guy's crazy. Um, Anyway, so let me just kind of kill through some of these. I'm taking forever. Um, uh, what, what's his name? Chiro. He is for sure force force sensitive. We talked about it on the show. I don't care what the writers say. I don't care if they say he is not force sensitive. He is for sure for force sensitive. Um, just the fact that he's able to dodge blaster bolts he's without a seeing them coming. Of the wills, bro. Well, yeah, exactly, and yeah. whatever that means. But like, he's definitely force sensitive. Like, obviously, he's so able they... to sense. Him and uh, Baze Malbus are two like remnants of the Guardians of the Wills, and they mm-hmm. were there on Jedha to protect the the Kuiper. Yeah, and they were there, and I like I like I really do love that uh, the quote he says where it's like the strongest stars have hearts of Kuiper. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but like that's just it's poetic to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're the guardians of the wills, which is actually a nod to like the shaman of the wills, which is actually mm-hmm. who teaches Qui-Gon how to uh, become a force ghost. Right. Right. Um, the yeah. shaman of the wills achieved immortality through going into the force and they were, right. you know, pure in the force. So I like the wills. Um, 
George Lucas originally intended wills to be basically midichlorians. They were microscopic single-celled life forms who were essentially God. They they acted as the will of the force. Oh, that makes sense. Um, That's kind of dope. But I, I kind of like that nod. So like they're the guardians of the will. So when I was watching it, yeah. I picked up on that. I'm like, dude, that's it's so interesting. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a really dope like concept. Um, and like if you think about it, how are you going to have somebody who's not force sensitive guard the wills? Right. You wouldn't, you know, and I think this is like just to keep this standalone also because I don't know what episode it was, but I know I've said it a few times on here is that um, this is an example of one of those times where the person calling the shots meta, right? The person who's making up the story that we're re- reading or intaking doesn't understand how the story works. So they, the people like the writers of Rogue One, they have said Chiro is not force sensitive, but it's like, well, that's not how this works. I'm sorry. You just don't know that because like, if, like, if you don't want him to be force sensitive, you have to rewrite. You can't have him do these things because he force sensitive doesn't mean you're a Anakin, you know, means you're sensitive to the force. You can sense the force, you know, that's why he can feel that's why he can. It's not like he's a Jedi. You know, he's not a Sith. He's not that that level of power, but he's so open to it that he that he is able to sense a kyber crystal across a crowded, you know, without having any eyes, you know, not even just that, just like the straight up fight scene, like the fight scene of him. He it's it's like Kanan, right? So when Kanan's blinded and he uses the force mm-hmm. to be able to see, how is yeah. that any different? You're telling me that Chiro is it Chiro or Chirrut? I don't know. Well, if you, if the way the way Bay said it throughout the entire uh, movie sounded like he was saying Chiro. OK, that's why I said I don't that think because I, I was attention. like, because I remember seeing it spelled out and it being like C-H-I-R-U-T or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but but I was like, Chiro, that doesn't sound right, but that's what he's calling him. And that doesn't that doesn't sound like what it's spelled. But maybe it is. Maybe it's maybe a U-T is supposed to be the O Chiro or whatever. Sure. Um. But there's no way he's not connected to the force. He's blind. 100% he connected. walks out. He, he he literally says, "Does he, does he have the face of a killer?" Yeah. No. He has the fa- or does what does he look like a killer? No, he has the face of a friend. Why? Because the force moves dark or, or the way does he say? The the force moves in dark ways around someone who's about to kill or something like that. Something and it's like, like yeah. And how does he know that? How does he sense? How does he sense the darkness in the force around Cassian if he's not force sensitive? You know what I mean? So after seeing him fight, doing all his crazy cool stuff, like I've, I always love him. He's one of my favorite characters. Um, and uh, I said that uh, he would have made a great Jedi had he been one. And if he had a lightsaber, um, I would honestly put him up against the best to ever wield one. I would say he I just could want go to see to, him and blind Kane and go at it. I, I want to see him. I want him to have a lightsaber so we can put him in a tournament so we can put him in a bracket <laughs> because I feel like I would give him a puncher's chance against. I mean, I, I feel like he dominates most. And when it comes to like people like, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Mace Windu, I mean, I feel like he's got a chance. You know, it would just all depend on uh, how, like, what his Force style would be, you know, um, uh, how powerful he is in the Force or whatever. But, like, man, just his his ability, his fluidity, 
you know, yeah. in in the way his fighting style is. You Dude. you get you hand him you hand him a a, a green double sided lightsaber. You know, it's over. It's over. Dude, this everybody. dude like dropped 15, 20 stormtroopers and was like flinging them over behind him, using them as human shields. Like, yeah, it was it was insane. Yeah. It's insane. It was insane. I love that scene so much. Yeah. Um, I love him as a character. Cheer oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I caught on Admiral Radis. Uh, he is the Mon Call Admiral mm -hmm. who makes the call to send the hammerhead into the shield. Uh, he's his cruiser is the one that gets boarded by Vader. That gets that gets um, uh, hit with the ion cannons mm -hmm. and, and disabled, uh, and we don't know what happens to them, uh, but we do know that in the new in the new republic in the in the sequels, the the flagship of the new republic is the Radis. Yep, and so it's probably safe to say that he got captured and probably killed, and they named a giant cruiser after him because of his efforts in the battle to get you know over scarif sure. which i didn't never i never caught before yeah i was like radis hey wait a minute <laughs> and i think part of the reason why i caught that is because i looked up what the name of the republic cruiser was to use in my sequel rewrites and i've written the word radis a bunch in that sure. and so it's like oh hey that's that's a pretty cool nod um they used the original footage of i don't know if you noticed but when red and gold leaders mm -hmm. pop in to call in it's the it's the ot it's the new hope uh, picture or not picture, but a uh, uh, actual footage. Yeah, actual footage of yeah. uh, Red Leader. And a know, couple, another thing about that scene. Um, so mm -hmm. they have Red Five in that scene. Yeah, and he, he gets dies. Blown up. He gets blown up and opens the seat up for Luke. Yep. You know, I thought it was like a nice little nod. I mean, I think we also talked about how I don't know if it's in the movie or not, but at least in the um no, the Revenge of the Sith novelization, Anakin is also Red Five, mm -hmm. um, which is a nice little uh, nod. Maybe a little too on the nose. Um, it's a bit on the nose, George. It's a bit. It's a Come bit on, on George. The nose. Come on, George. Uh, Chiro's staff for sure has at least part of a lightsaber on the end of it. Really? Like when he's walking out, <laughs> it's just like Ray's staff with the bottom. It's just like a graphic. Yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. Uh, that's another thing I want to talk about, but um, we'll get there in a second. Um, but yeah, as he's walking out, I went with the force and the force is with me. As he's going to go to the master switch, you can see on the, like above his hand, it looks like 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 a like a pommel. Okay. It's a metallic pommel and the rest of his staff is like wood. But just the top of it's metal. So I I think he has part of a lightsaber, if not an entire hilt worked into it. Um or it's just it's a metal end to be able to have more damage when he hits somebody. Yeah. But but I like to think that it's that it's a lightsaber. I hilt. like to think um, that too. That's rad. I don't think I've uh, ever actually paid attention to his staff. Yeah, I haven't seen. I didn't look up any pictures of it like in detail, but I just noticed as he's walking out, and the end of it is metal. But then when he's fighting, like the rest of it isn't. So, um, that's that's that is uh my head cannon. Another thing that I said is that for the amount of technology that they have, uh, they sure do have. They sure do like making things awfully inconvenient. Uh, and archaic. It's like when Jin goes to the top of the satellite. Okay, so if you if you want to send out if you want to send out any plans to anywhere in the galaxy or wherever with this giant satellite, they have this technology of having these this giant bank of hard drive disks for some reason. Hard drive disks plugged into a giant Bitcoin mining. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. A bunch <laughs> of these, you know, whatever graphics cards. Um. And then, if, but if you want to manually send it out, 
you have to go to the top of the tower on the outside of the building and plug it in. And then if it's not, the satellite isn't aligned, you have to go align the satellite by turning around and walking out on a plank that's hanging off the side of the building to then press the button or whatever to realign the satellite all and while then lowering go all of the planet's defenses. <laughs> and making sure that the gate is open. Yeah. That is perfectly aligned with the satellite to be able to shoot out any plans. Um, why? Dialogue. <laughs> why? Why? Why would they have X wings and lightsabers and not be able to just like not Bluetooth have all that in one? Yeah, and not Bluetooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not Bluetooth. Like, why can't you, you got com links? Like, yeah, yeah. Why can't you just yeah? Why can't you swipe and send that? You know? Yeah. Um, it's it's just funny. Uh, like, what's the point of the walkers? You have you have hovercrafts and flying ships that defy gravity and, and aerodynamics, and yet you've got walkers. You know what's the point well, of that? A can walker? be said any anywhere. Look at Hoth. Why did he? Need I know. Him? Why do you need no, walkers to walk in from that, ten that's miles st- away? That's that comment is Star Wars in general. What's the point of an of a walker when you're heading got, down a bad you, path? You want to hear a fun Easter egg? So. No, I don't because, like I said, negativity sells, baby. Um, the Death Star is way cooler than Star Killer Base. Um, sorry, I was skipping you and letting you go after me. Uh, these are just my thoughts. I think that this the Death Star is. I think we. I I forget as a sequel fan. Not whoa, hold on. First of all, I saw all of the OT on VHS. I'm just saying, my recent revitalization of my Star Wars fandom has been because of the sequels, and I've never really thought about either the Death Star or Starkiller. But for some reason in my head, like the Death Star has been so unimpressive to me lately, you know, just because I'm like, well, they have, what's the point of having the Death Star when you have a planet that can destroy the systems, you know? So I never really put any thought into it, but seeing the Death Star, like, I think when it, uh, when in that scene, when it like, there's an object, object coming out of hyperspace. And then, bam, you see the Death Star coming up over the the horizon. Yeah. Menace. That is an amazing scene. And I was just like, you know what, man? That Death Star is a lot cooler than the the, the Starkiller base. Starkiller base stands there amidst the Death Star's achievements. Okay. Good call. Good callback. (laughs) Good good reference. Um, The hammerhead that escapes from Vader, obviously. The one that they end up, uh, that Vader ends up boarding. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Tantive Four, yeah, it's it's the same hammerhead, the Tantive Four. It's it's the one that they stand under in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it's the one. It's it's Leia's. The one that's the same one all of these years. Yeah, well, that's right. But Bale, you know, he's dead. So like, you know, Leia's the one who who took it, and uh, she had it all the way up until uh, (laughs) right. Uh, she had it all the way up till Rise of Skywalker. Which they don't really use it. It just it serves as a background. Sure. You know, it's her, it's on, her on, old Corvette. Like it's just family yeah. heirloom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was another thing I was thinking of and I forgot it. Um Damn it. I don't know. I had something that wasn't written down that I remember. Oh yeah. I had never caught uh that on Scarif the shield wraps around the entire planet. <clears throat> I I never heard the line where he's like, it's, you know, a planet, planet wide shield defense system. And the only way through is this gate, right? I never caught that. I just knew they had to go through a gate. 
And I was like, well, every time I see that shield, I think about space balls. I need to revisit that. I have so, I've seen it once and Druidia I was like, 10. is covered with same exact kind of thing, like a force field, but it's to keep air in there like oxygen. And then the empire, I forget what they're called in space balls. They bring like a giant maid with a vacuum to suck all their air out through the, the air hole. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I never really, I never even saw the shield. I saw the shield in the gate, right? When it closes. But like when it opens or when it's there or whatever, you can see as they, as the shuttle comes down initially with Rogue, with Rogue Squadron in it, right? You can see the camera shows like a little flicker of like blue shimmer and then mm-hmm. it's gone to, to show you the shield around the whole thing. So I was just like, I knew, it's not like I didn't know that there was a shield there. I just always thought it was implied. Mm-hmm. But no, they straight up tell you and show you, and I never saw that or heard it before. So that was pretty much all my thoughts on Rogue One. Ultimately, it's like I kind of agree with our good friend of the pod, Chelsea, who says that like it's a pretty movie, but it literally does nothing. Because until until Andor the show comes out and gives us some sort of you know new stuff, some consequence or whatever, it's we it's just like you know yeah we knew that they they had to steal the Death Star plans to be able to blow the thing up how they did it. It's it's fan service, right? Exactly. It's, it's and, 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 I don't, and it's I don't like it's not necessary. A, I don't mean that as a bad thing. And I don't think it's necessarily necessary or unnecessary. I think it's just here's it's badass Vader. Here is the creation of the Death Star here. We're going to fix a giant plot hole as to why there's a hole in the Death Star that can blow it up through the reactor core. Um, it also introduces us. It's, plot, it a, it's like plot armor. It was literally a hole. It's a plot hole. <laughs> I know. Oh no, it's not. By definition, it's not a plot hole. It's 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 like part part of. I think a plot hole is a hole created in the story based around mistakes made in the plot. I don't know. Anyway, continue. Whatever. Yeah. Semantics or whatever. Sure. I like technicalities. Uh, okay. It's I don't I don't think it's made to be anything more than that. Rogue One, we forget at the time this came out, Rogue One is the first big screen Star Wars project that wasn't a Skywalker film. And it it was new in that it's the first Star Wars film to not have an opening crawl. Um, and you sure. kind of expect it. Yeah. Like you it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then it's done. And you're just kind of hopping in. Um yeah, I think the point was not so much like, yeah, everything you're saying is true. It's also just like, like, I was just saying like Chelsea's opinion on the movie is just like, it's good. It just wasn't necessarily needed, you know, yeah. is all. And it's not important to the overall story of the universe. Right. And I agree. And it's, it's like a bridge. It's it's. This we well, went from here to here. Here's the specific it's like, things that well, happen. it's like it's like it's like it's a bridge, but it's like a bridge that's like a hundred yards away from the other bridge. It's like you can take that bridge if you want, like, but you you know we already know how we got there. It's like this is a little more detail it's over the there. Detour. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. And it's like it, it doesn't make it a bad movie. I don't no. dislike the movie. I'm just like yeah, you know. The more I think about it, the more it's like. Yeah, it is just fan service and it's fun, beautiful fan service. I mean, that movie that 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 gorgeous, dude. They did such a good job with with everything in that movie. 
I want to so mention good. a few things that I like about Rogue One, little yeah. Easter eggs and stuff that go for it. I mean, you still I really have to tell did. your whole thoughts on it. <laughs> nope. I, we don't. I mean, do it, man. Okay. Daddy's turn. Yes. So what? I thought I was daddy. <laughs> uh, when Jin Urso is on that uh, Imperial transport, right? Prison transport and yeah. gets the rear door busted open by the rebels. Um, they run into the transport and they're yelling the name Halleck, Liana Halleck, which is a uh, that was Mara Jade's alias that the emperor gave to her when introducing herself to Grand Admiral Thrawn and Dark Force wow. Rising. So I thought that was interesting. Um, nice. And I also learned a bit about Rogue One in general. So Galen Urso is named after a uh, a doctor called J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is one of the developers of the atomic bomb. Okay. Yeah. Um, later in his own work, uh, he, he did a speech that's called the destroyer of worlds. Oh, I know this speech. Yeah. And uh, in that speech, he regret, you know, expressed regret for basically like, I should have never contributed to this. Like, yeah. After watching the detonation of the first test. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is when he gives this speech. Yeah. And uh, which the Destroyer of Worlds was the working title for Rogue One, which I thought That's, was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, do you have the quote of the the Oppenheimer said? I, I don't have the speech up, uh, but also when they sent the the actual film reels from uh, the filming location, they were named after I want to say it was El Paso, which was a city in Texas where they had mm -hmm. like atomic bomb testing facilities and i could be messing some of this up but i thought that that stuff was kind of interesting like the mm -hmm. real world inspiration on galen or so yeah and then i know we've talked about this before but i love that there are a few times in um the scenes in rogue one where you can see the ghost from rebels the ship Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then also on, I think it's on Yavin, you can see Chopper. You see Chopper, yeah. You can also by. faintly see R2 at one point. At least it's a blue astromech like R2. But then um, him and C-3PO are blatantly in it later. Oh, they are, huh? Yeah, when 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 uh, C-3PO goes, Scarif, going to Scarif, nobody oh, tells right. me anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, he's like, beep, boop, beep, boop, you know. <laughs> um, but there's just, there's some fun stuff in there. Uh my thoughts on Rogue One are I, I don't view it seriously, like not in a good way or a bad way. Like it is a Star Wars story. OK, mm -hmm. I, I like some of the details about how the Death Star plans got to Princess Leia. Right. I, I like. Yeah. I like all the continuity, all the, the bridging of the gaps. I like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Like, what about your your Jedi contact? Like, we need to send mm -hmm. to him for help. I love that it is a setup. It is a prequel post prequels. Um, that's literally, it is the appetizer for the meal that is the original trilogy. Um, mm -hmm. And I like it, man. I, I, I always enjoy sitting down and watching Rogue One. I like Jyn Erso as a character. Uh touching on andor a bit i'm still like the character of the I show i hate to be i hate to be negative it's do you i just don't care do i don't it? care at all i don't like i don't care i don't care to watch it. i i'm gonna watch the show and i'm probably gonna enjoy it and i'm really hoping that it turns me but like cassie and in rogue one 
he he does yeah. have these internal conflicts. He does have these like oh, I got to do this thing that I don't necessarily morally agree with, but this is what we need to do. This is what's assigned to me as a rebel captain. I need to do yeah. this. Um, I'm really hoping that Andor changes that. I'm hoping. Eh, I just don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, he has a line in this movie when he's talking to uh, Jin, and he says. Um, we have all done, um, we all, or maybe he said I, or we have all done terrible things in the name of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what this show is probably going to do is it's probably going to expound upon, expand upon rather, um, these terrible things, you know, because it's like, I mean, they're, if there's one thing and I've, I, you know, sorry, I say it all the time. Well, like Solo did really well, was played with perspective. You know, the whole time here we are thinking that the good guys are Han and Beckett and the bad guys are Emphis Nest. And at the end of the movie, it turns out, well, no, actually, Emphis Nest is part of the rebellion. And the bad guys in our movie are actually the good guys in our story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could just be the like protagonists are pirates. Yeah, like blurring the line of uh, morality or blurring the line of good and evil. Like that's something that I really enjoyed, not enjoyed, but one of the things I really liked about The Last Jedi, pause, um, was when DJ shows Finn on that ship who the, 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 the big arms dealer was selling weapons to and the dude on the ship belonged to somebody who was selling ships to both the new Republic or the resistance and the first order. And, uh, that's one, one of the things that DJ says, I don't remember the quote exactly. Um, but it was something to that effect of, you know, it's not as cut and dry. It's not black and white. Sure. You know, the good guys aren't always good, you know? Um, and that was like, it was like kind good of one guys, bad guys. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's like unfortunate actually that they didn't really do anything with that for rise of Skywalker. I mean that in and of, in and of itself is kind of like a, it's a lot to play on, you know, maybe that's a little too in the weeds. It's a little too dark for a star Wars movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be kind of dark, but you know, lighthearted, you know, lifting at the end of them. Sure. That's just historically how it kind of goes other than the prequels. Cause that's supposed to be the, you know, it's the fall of or fall to Darth Vader, but I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that Andor might play with. It might play with that blurred line a little bit or explaining the crap they had to do. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, I'm excited to see him on some missions. I'm a little bummed that reportedly K2SO isn't going to be in there because I do love K2SO. I love like yeah. and he he is that Jar Jar Binks. He is that placed comic relief, um, which I've noticed that in this era, it's they kind of more do digestible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the droids, the droids a lot of times, you know, you get Dio uh, in Rise of Skywalker. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh thank you. And then you mm-hmm. get a. Uh, uh, was it L O whatever it is in solo L three L three L three. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like this comedic quirky, like, Oh, like, 
um which i i dig like i like that um i like k2so i i recognize him for what he is but it's it's cool and i like that concept of like the reprogrammed imperial droid and Mm -hmm. um he has lines that are cheesy like i'm taking them to imprison them in prison it's like okay yeah but you gotta also think there are five-year-olds watching this like yeah but like that line was like i took that as like he you know i feel like k2 doesn't care Mm-hmm. you know he doesn't and so it's like when he got caught he's like oh i'm taking them to imprison them in prison because yep. he's like mm, i'm caught here so i'm just i think that was ultimately what it was i was like well there's way too many of them and so i'm just gonna say this and hope it works and yeah. knowing it I wasn't like gonna the, work the setup to that conversation they round the corner k2's there and the stormtroopers like where are you taking these prisoners he's like these are prisoners he's like yeah, yeah where are you taking them so like uh, like I do like that setup. It's just like yeah. he just has corny lines. He's corny. Um, that one is corny. I don't really think I really. I mean, I don't really think anything else he said is corny though. Honestly, I've always thought it like maybe it I is don't, corny. I don't necessarily mean corny is a bad thing. I mean corny like it's just kind of yeah, slapstick. What I mean is like why does she okay, get a blaster? Like, <laughs> like like uh, but I don't know, man. I like K two. I think K two is fun. I would like to see K two in Andor. Apparently, the uh, the actor that voices K two he said that, he wasn't in it. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. So that that kind of is a hint then as to time frame, because the movie helps you makes you believe that there's some sort of emotional connection between Cassian and K two based off of when he says, "I'm locking, I'm sealing you in, or I'm locking you in." you know, goodbye. And you can tell by the look on Cassian's face that he's like, no, you know, and he gets all like sad for a moment. Uh, if K- K2 isn't in this, that means it has to be, it doesn't have to be, but it probably won't be recent. Like it's, it, it's going to have to be to like, but it's going to have to be before, you know, otherwise, you know, how long were they together for three months? And he just got all, I mean, which is enough time, I guess, if you spend every single day going on missions together, but it's probably a little further back than that. It better not be like an origin story of how casting Andor became like, it probably will be. It's I named after be him. Guy. But Ray was with Han Solo for like two days before he died. <laughs> and she like screamed and cried. And I mean, well, we don't know how long that's the thing bro because we don't know how long they were on that millennium falcon traveling across the galaxy to get to mos Kanata. okay i guess you're right i know enough right. time that han was able to evaluate her and offer her a job i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enough time for her to be like you're my dad now yeah but daddy you know, it didn't take long daddy sorry daddy can we talk about sorry. eclipse bro I don't know what this is, man. I am reluctant as I'm reluctant as all get out to want to be excited about this game because I'm diving in, baby. I'm putting my whole heart in it. So the reason being is uh, I'm not a big fan of top down games like World of Warcraft, for example. I'm not a big fan of it. Right. Um, One of the things that World of Warcraft is greatly known for is their amazing cinematic trailers that have nothing to do or don't look anything like the game that you play. And that was what I was. That's all I could think about while watching this trailer was. I know it says it's an action adventure, multiple choice, essentially uh, game. 
but I just kept looking at it and I was like, this is too good to be true. This is going to end up, this is just going to be some CGI cinematic trailer for something that's going to be like a three quarter top down style of game. That's not going to be look anything like this. You know, I don't care. I'm excited. I, well, and the thing is, is like, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that style of game. No, that's why I'm like, like reluctant is because like if that's what this is i'm sorry i'm just not gonna play it like i just don't like those style of games even if it is star wars man it's just not my game style you know like (coughs) it's like the style of gameplay trumps the theme that the game is you know for me that Um, is big for you it's like the reason you can't get into kotor and stuff yeah yeah well and because i didn't play it when it was originally out so like i have to 20 years ago graphics you know Sure. It's hard to do when you didn't play it. I mean, I could play 007 GoldenEye right now because I have hundreds of hours into that game yeah. when it was out, you know, uh, whereas, you know, vice versa. But, oh, my goodness, I'm telling you what, if if in fact this is something to the effect of Fallen Order, right? I don't think I'm ready. We got High Republic era. We saw Yoda. We got lightsabers all over the place. Uh We've got kind of Voldemort-looking aliens banging on big old drums. Like we have no we have no information about this at all. But dude, that was that was more Star Wars. That was definitely more Star Warsy than that Galactic Star Cruiser video. I tell you what. Okay. But yeah, that was. I don't know if you've seen Theory's reaction to this, but the dude was losing his mind. He was losing his mind, but yeah, man, like it looks like, so it's interesting is there's, there's like a droid control ship. So it's like, are you talking about Star Cruiser? No, we're talking about the Eclipse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you thought I was going to move on that quick? I was like, dude, I got (laughs) stuff to talk about. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, no. I was just like, I was just like, it looked more like it looked way more like Star Wars, obviously than that stupid video. I was just saying that is all. Okay. But like, yeah, it's, it's go ahead. Oh, um, if, if you got a lot to talk about, like, I don't, I just I don't have excited a lot for to it. talk about, but I am very excited for it. So Star yeah. Wars has confirmed that a lot of these places we're going to are brand new locations, right? Yeah. Obviously, we're going to see some species that we know and love, but we're also going to see some new stuff. Um, I, you know, we've talked about this before where neither one of us are really into the High Republic, at least not yet. I mm-hmm. do plan on forcing myself to get through all I need to buy these books, but that's for a later date um i feel like this is going to be a big uh deal for a lot of people that like us are having a hard time getting into this era um Mm -hmm. because we're literally going to be able to be submerged into the universe and Mm -hmm. live during this time frame Um, right i like that it says it can be experienced in multiple ways so it looks like we're gonna have to make decisions within the game that kind of affect the outcome of the game which that's always good um and there's going to be an array of playable characters so i don't know if that means like kind of kotor style we're going to be able to assemble your team and pick who you go on these specific action adventure missions with and to be able to toggle through them and their different abilities or right obviously i mean it can mean a lot of things uh but yeah, it, this this is a game about choices. It's a game about, um, you know, I, I mean, and that's all we really know. That's all we know about it. I, I do have high hopes, and you're absolutely right. Where trailers and historically MMORPG, 
RPG trailers like World of Warcraft or Star Wars The Old Republic mm-hmm. have these very detailed cinematic cutscenes and um, like beautifully done visuals, but the gameplay is kind of lackluster in comparison. You right. put out these trailers where it's like we, we see all sorts of cool things, really tuned and polished uh, uh, scenes and, and um, we probably won't get that kind of level of quality but like if we get jedi fallen order level of quality Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be happy Mm -hmm. with it like that that game was so visually stunning when you're in it Mm -hmm. and like just exploring the worlds uh i don't know man i'm just so excited i'm so excited like they dropped this trailer out of the blue and it's all new stuff man it's it's all new stuff and i'm still excited for the kotor remake and whatever but like this really has me intrigued as a Star Wars fan. And I feel like some of the best stuff we get is stuff that they just kind of drop in our lap that we weren't expecting. Um, yeah, man. And I, like, I, I'm really hoping that this, uh, this comes through as one of those things. Yeah. It's made by Quantic Dream, who made um, Heavy Rain mm-hmm. and Detroit Become Human, which are really good-looking games, really, really good story games. So... um yeah, like that's, you know, and that's what they do. The interactive storytelling style games. So, you know what? That's probably what this is, is something uh, maybe third person style, like Fallen Order. But it's it's probably going to be that same, you know, like like you can in multiple different ways, meaning, you know, your actions will determine, you know, are you going to, you know, help the Jedi Order defeat the Nihil? or whatever it is, or are you going to become a disciple of, you know, the dark side or, or what, hopefully, you know, I mean, we saw lightsaber battles going on. We saw lightsabers mm-hmm. in it. Uh, blue lightsaber, blue and green fighting each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, then that's like, the thing, man. Like, could be or whatever. But. Could be, but also, like, you know, uh, fallen Jedi not going to have a red lightsaber till they bleed their crystal. I mean, Anakin mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan blue on blue, blue. on So blue, baby. who knows which one of them was the bad guy in that fight scene, you know? And I'm also bad. curious, you know, in the same reason I'm, I'm looking forward to the acolyte, if we ever get that or updates on that, but mm-hmm. I do like the, the ancientness in star Wars. Right. So like the whole trailer has its tone set with this dude, banging the drum and it's slowly panning out to more and more drummers and building it up and building it up. And like, I want to know what they're all about. Mm -hmm. And of course, at the very end, when the dude is rising up out of the pit, like with like the black oil. Oh yeah. What's he about? Yeah. Palpatine. It's probably, probably, this is is pretty cool. Somehow Palpatine. Somehow he returned. man. But, he's uh, somebody. He's somebody. He's probably the main bad guy. Probably. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I was. It kind of gave me uh, Ronin vibes from. Uh, sure. Yeah, from uh, Visions. Uh, no, Galaxies. Uh, was the Guardians of the Galaxy? Ronin. Oh, he come, Ronin. He comes Ronin. up yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was thinking absolutely. when he came up out of the oil or the blood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of like or. Even uh, doesn't uh, oh man, um, 
Blade? Doesn't he do that? Or is that the bad guy in Blade? I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen Blade. I, I don't it's know. Such a good movie. Ronan, definitely. You definitely know he's going to come out of there, and I can see them putting some kind of crown on him mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. something. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Oh, we get Trade Federation ships in the trailer. That's what I was saying. About. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the droid controlled Trade Federation mm-hmm. separatist ship or whatever. Yeah. Might be able to. So, I mean, the Trade Federation has been around for a while. Huh? Oh, yeah. They, they yeah. probably already have droids, like droid armies. Oh, right? yeah. Probably. That's probably what they've been doing for a long time. I don't know, boy. I'm so excited for this thing, dude. I'm super. I hope we get to know it. more about it soon. Well, it's an early development. I, I bet it's going to be yeah. a minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, it says early development, but that trailer was not very early development. Yeah. Like they yeah. knew what they wanted to show us. They de- they developed the hell out of that. So they say that it's early development, but who knows, man? I mean, I don't know that you come out with a trailer like that if you're in early development. They're probably just saying that to keep us, you know, ballsy trailer. I know like early development to me (laughs) is like we have the story and we just started working on swaying, bro. Yeah, (laughs) dude, it's seriously that's that's what I mean is like you're either you're either just starting to talk about story if it's in, you know, early stages of development or you're just starting to work on the, the mechanics of the game. I don't think you have this trailer made if you're still in early stages of development, you know. Uh, but you know, whatever we'll see more. I'm sure this is going to be a game coming out fall of 2023. Um, you know, ready for the next gen consoles provided we have microchips to be able to have Xboxes and playstations. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited for it. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. That was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. So there's a few more things that we want to just touch on before we get into, uh, talking about the June issues of uh, a War little more streamlined Bounty. version of the June, yeah, of War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, <clears throat> firstly, just really quick, apparently a 1980 Leia action figure, three and three quarter inch, sold for over twelve thousand dollars at an auction. Uh, un unopened uh, packaging, and it was like one of I can't remember the number exactly. I could open up the article, but who cares? Um, it, apparently, it's, it was like the first. It was one of the first runnings of of Leia. Um, and the, they ended up changing like the card on the uh, packaging went from being a torso up photo to a full body photo. Mm. And this was one of the torso up photos, uh, making it one of the more rare ones out there uh, sold for over twelve thousand dollars at an auction. Um, crazy little action figure. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, Disney deleted the for those of you that saw it, there was a preview of the Galactic Star Cruiser hotel experience, which is five thousand dollars a night. Um, and Spencer didn't see the video. Mm-mm. I did. It was terrible. Like it was just like it was it was this guy. Apparently he said he's from the Goldbergs, this yeah. actor or whatever being he's walked the main through character of the Goldbergs. Oh, OK, um, he's being walked through this star cruiser with some chick she's explaining to him all the things that they've they've been doing or whatever and then he walks through this like this door is open and it's like bright white lights shining through it and he like looks at her and she keeps walking and talking and he like looks back at the door and then he like walks through the door real quick and then he gets transported right into uh like a looks just like a typical space bar doesn't look anything specifically star wars other than like some of the aliens right and then the, this Twilight singer starts singing about the Star Cruiser. And it's just like super like it, it it just didn't look good. It was just poorly done. Like it just 
this is supposed to be $5,000 a night to come stand on stand in this room that looks like the bridge of a ship with people telling you what buttons to press jumping to hyperspace you know and then like because like you can go and like punch it you know and then like the screen turns whatever like hyperspace is dumb man like i'm not gonna even spend a hundred dollars a night to do that you know what i mean like Sorry. So anyway, a bunch of backlash came out. Star Wars Theory had a reaction video to it where he was just super bummed out about it. He was very he didn't say like super negative things, but it, was like, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It didn't. It just felt like a space thing. You know, that could have been anything. Could have been Firefly, could have been Star Trek, you know. In the article I read, one of the tweets that was commenting to this was this isn't Star Wars. This is space conflicts, space conflicts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like great. That. That's great. And yeah, and so Disney took down the video because of how bad the backlash was. They even like made Star Wars Theory take his video down, his reaction. They're like, nope, take that down. Um, So yeah, who knows? Let's just hope that this was enough for them to rethink the entire project. Hopefully they didn't already build this Star Cruiser. (laughs) Because, oh man. Yeah, it just just wasn't. How do you mess up a a, a Star Wars hotel? experience i think you accidentally answered your own question right in the middle of that disney. how do you how do you mess up a dis how do you mess up yeah disney <laughs> that's that's how you mess it up that's like if it if it's not involving john favreau and dave filoni they're very very good at messing up everything star wars they're so good at it you know like i want um, my experience to start with me being like dropped into a rancor pit and like like have an actual adventure, not just like I'm aboard this. Transport. I don't want any of that. I don't want any. I wonder if I, when you're like, aboard the Star Cruiser, if it gets like attacked. I don't. Okay. And maybe like it'd be cool if you could like go and hop in like an X-wing or something, and then it like feels like you're being launched into space, and you can. Sure. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, yeah. Like, and one of the things like Theory was saying was he's like, give us a temple, give us a Jedi temple, and give us a Sith temple. Pick one. You get to go in one and you get a weekend experience of going through all the different teachings. Mm-hmm. At the end, you get to make a, a lightsaber or something like that, you know, whatever. Uh, for me, it's like, just make something that's better than Galaxy's Edge that I can walk into and go do things at my own free will. You know, this whole like, I don't know, but maybe that, maybe this is super niche, right? It's super specific. It's like, I don't necessarily want to, like, you know, like, if I'm going to go on the Star Cruiser, I don't want there to be a part of my day where, like, oh, guess what? In 15 minutes, we're getting attacked. Like, I don't want to go <laughs> run and grab some shit. Like, I'm busy, yo. I want to go. I want to go do. I'm watching these Twi'leks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in this little space bar watching these Twi'leks sing and dance, you know, throwing Republic credits at them. No. Um, but, Play like, having, like. Rock table. Exactly. Having like yeah, having a sabacc table, having uh like a you know storm stormtrooper firing range where you can go and have like a digital setup where you have like you know an E nine blaster and you're and you're doing like virtual you know you put on VR glasses and yeah. have like you know virtual have it be firing a train range hit like a uh, bad batch where you're running around with your team and there's droids attacking you and you could like yeah have have a spot where you can go go do pilot training maybe where they, they have, have little this stuff but i don't know maybe they do like i don't <laughs> know so there's been like there's another cool thing of like uh uh it, where was it i think it's called 
what is it called? Damn. Um, the zone or game game zone. Anyway, there's like this two story arcade in Seattle. It's not it's, Ultra Zone. No, it's. Do you remember those? It sounds familiar. Is that is that an Ultra Zone? Is that a like a gamer bar? They were like kid. Like when we were kids, they had like Ultra Zones. It was one of those like they had an arcade and a giant play structure and ball pits and. You'd have hmm. birthday parties there. It yeah, it sounds oh yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds super familiar. And that crappy um, pizza. Like a chunk yeah, of cheese. Yeah, yeah. That sounds super familiar. Um But anyway, so like there's Charles two story arc cheese. Charles Edward Cheese. <laughs> oh, I saw that picture. I was like, Oh, why are you out here putting out his government? <laughs> um But anyway, there's this uh there's this two story arcade. Where there's just a, you know, it's just a giant arcade games and whatever. That's where I met Ryan Stiles from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Him and his daughter were in line right behind me um, for this uh, hot air balloon thing. Anyway, there there was these, there was this Formula One game, right? And racing. And there was like six life-size Formula One cars, essentially, that you would just get into one. I think it was IndyCar. And you get inside of it, and there's a big screen in front of you, and you're sitting in the cockpit of an Indy car, and you do a race from inside the cockpit of the Indy car with the pedals, with the steering wheel, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, why not do something like that with like an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter or an, a, an A-Wing, an right? Maybe not life-size ships, but like having a cockpit that is designed like you have just like the X-Wing cockpit, right? A little r2 unit or something behind you and then you have an a wing or a tie fighter and then you can go in there and you can play a little game or have like you know fighter training having that as an option having a place to go build a lightsaber or learn about you know um to be fair they might have some of these things we're just going through talking about things that would be cool but like i didn't watch the videos i don't know what they like it didn't show any of this in it and my thing is like instead of it being like a forced experience where you come in and and somebody somebody walks up and like and now we're gonna take a tour and we're gonna go do all these things it's like let me go do the things if i want to do lightsaber training six times in a row Mm -hmm. let me do that you know the same way as if i want to go ride the superman roller coaster I can get off of the Superman roller coaster. I can get right back in line, you know, it, sure. things like that, you know. Um, and we don't know that this isn't that or wasn't that. Um, but uh, it definitely didn't feel like that was what it was going to be. And uh, Disney noticed that people thought that and they said, all right, let's rethink this. Um, speaking of rethinking things, Rogue Squadron is back on, baby. We're back, I My think, man. I guess, apparently. Um, there was an article that came out. Uh, by comicbook.com. They talked about um, Patty Jenkins' future uh, with Star Wars. Uh, she apparently is working on, she was doing directing um, for Cleopatra, this movie with Gal Gadot. And uh, this was like recently after, um, this came out shortly after they talked about, and we even talked about uh, how Rogue Squadron was going to be shelved. It was no longer on the table. Patty Jenkins walked away from the discussion, from the production of it. Um, that it was just going to be put on hold indefinitely. And now it comes out that Carrie Scogland, who uh, was working with Jenkins on Cleopatra, uh, she is now 
going to be doing full directorial uh, duties for the Cleopatra movie. Yeah. Um, and she confirmed that's because Patty Jenkins has to go work on her other two projects being Wonder Woman 3 and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. So either Ms. Scoglin doesn't know that, that they're in fact not doing Rogue Squadron anymore um, or, you know, Patty's stepping aside from Cleopatra directorial duties and going producer only mode on it because she has to work on Wonder Woman 3 and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. So as of this, like, let's be real. Nobody knows what's going on. Disney hasn't confirmed anything. This was done with a uh, uh, interview through Deadline. So who knows uh, how much uh, Carrie Scoglin knows. But it sounds like <laughs> at least until we get a report that it's shelved again, Rogue Squadron's back on with no new information about it at all. Yes, sir. So let's go, man. Well, and like, I, I was <clears throat> surprised to hear that this is something that was being scrapped too, because Patty Jenkins, like this is a project that's, that's close to her heart with her whole yeah. Air Force family ties. And mm -hmm. like, it was something that at least in the promo shot where, you know, she's on the airfield and she's walking up to the X-Wing. Like it seemed like something that she was really passionate about and excited to work on. Um, yeah. And we do know that it went into some sort of, at least writing. Um, right. It, it wouldn't have made sense for her to like, I'm not going to work on star Wars. I'm going to work on wonder woman three and Cleopatra. Like, right. I don't know, man. I, I, Carrie Skogling could not have any idea what she's talking about, but from the sounds of it, she's now going to be the full director of Cleopatra. And, mm -hmm. and it sounds like when she was officially given that, that title, it was, because Jenkins needs to go work on these things. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to take that as hopeful and I, I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, let's hope it works out. Let's hope it works out. Cause I would love to see that movie. Yeah. No matter what time period. Um, yeah. So other than that, I mean, I had a few things, uh, that I wanted to vent about, but I won't really vent about it much. Uh, I was just going, so screen rant. Oh man. We have such a good, like I have such a good relationship with Screen Rant. One sided, uh, they don't know who I am, nor do they care. Um, but I'm constantly finding myself getting frustrated over little things all the time because how else am I going to fill the time of my day? Um, and one of those things, you're a character, uh, man. <laughs> you're funny. I guess so. I guess I can. I guess I'm a character. I mean, hey, sure as hell beats being a real person. Um, so my question is, why don't news outlets like vet the the knowledge of the topics that their writers are going to talk about. Right. So this is article, uh, by screen rant called star Wars, last Jedi force. Anyway, whatever the headline basically is star Wars, last Jedi misunderstands how the Skywalker bloodline works. <clears throat> so this whole article is based on the fact that, that Skywalker Luke says, that Ben has the mighty Skywalker blood in him, right? And like, like, because he, he his hubris of being able to train Ben, you know, and then he said, he said after that, you know, but he has got that mighty Skywalker blood in him, right? Mm -hmm. And there's another line by Snoke where Snoke says, um, the heir to, or the heir to Lord Vader, right? Um, and this, this entire article, takes those two lines and has this rant conversation with themselves about how they, th that the last Jedi doesn't understand that 
bloodline has or yeah bloodline has nothing to do with royalty like the skywalkers aren't royalty and and this the last jedi tries to make you think that the skywalkers are royalty and that how uh uh a family's bloodline in star wars has nothing to do with uh, or your your power level has nothing to do with how your status in in society right um and it made me really frustrated because this person clearly doesn't understand Star Wars as much as they want to think they do. Yeah. Uh, be- because because the point behind Snoke saying uh, the heir to Lord... The, yeah, he says, son of darkness, heir apparent to Lord Vader is the quote that he says, right? This is so, so let me read you this fucking sorry, whatever. Snoke makes an even more perplexing makes even more perplexing statements, not only similarly referencing the Skywalker bloodline, but also calling Kylo Ren, quote, son of darkness, heir apparent to Lord Vader, unquote, to unsubtly declare the Skywalker's royalty. No. He's referring to the fact that Darth Vader is the Dark Lord of the Sith. And if he's a Dark Lord of the Sith and he's dead, therefore there is a seat specifically at Vader's temple, at his castle, where his throne sits, it's empty. So being the fact that he is, in fact, the next like Dark Lord, being the grandson to a Sith Lord, makes him royalty. But he's not royalty. He's just heir to the throne of Lord Vader because he's a dark Lord of the Sith. He's not, that's not a sentence saying, well, the Skywalkers are royalty. No, no, no. Leia is royalty in the sense of she's a princess. You know what I mean? She's, she's daughter of Bale, uh, Organa. That's royalty. Sure. But like, and then it, 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 the rest of it is just frustrating as hell. I'm, I can't even formulate thoughts because it's okay, just like, first off, first off, wrap it up. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> you're over here like, <laughs> I can't Listen, help it. Man. I get it. I get it. I, I'm not this, even talking this, to you, dude. I'm talking to the, the listeners, man. This, anyway, this guy writing for screen. I, I a hundred percent agree with you. This article makes, is making my blood boil. Yeah. And I'm getting overwhelmed about it. Yeah. Like, they're I don't know. not, I just they're to, not royalty. I just they, wanted to pop off on it for a second so we'd give them something entertaining to listen to for a few seconds. I had to splash you with some um, water, bro. You're over here like I see steam nah. coming out of your hair, like your headphones and just yeah, ah, we're good. OK, um, yeah, this author does not understand anything. You would think that as a, uh, a reputable CBS outlet that Screen Rant is that they would vet writers that. Or at least proofread, man. At least have like a Star Wars expert, like a Star. They write a lot about Star Wars. They need to run their stories by their team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously, like Ryan Johnson knows about the Skywalker bloodline. He understands yeah. how the bloodline works. Like, yeah, they took two lines out of a movie yeah. talking about heir and royalty. And. It was like, oh, they they don't understand it. Did you guys know Luke was a, a moisture farmer? Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That, yeah, that was like, yeah, I don't know. And on top of that, Anakin wasn't royalty, but technically anybody who uh, came out of their relationship, Padme was royalty. Leia Organa was royalty. Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of royalty. I mean, I mean, if we're being honest, 
Luke is kind of, you know, uh, he should have some sort of, you know, chance to go be, you know, voted in to be ruler of Naboo or whatever. The author said, speaking specifically about about Kylo, about Ben, referencing the the you are the heir to Vader. Okay, but Kylo is also the grandson of the former queen of Naboo, as well as the son of the former princess of Alderaan. Like, yeah, he's... He's royal. It's pretty so royal. It's pretty it's royal. Pretty royal. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty same. damn royal, if you ask me. But yeah, I agree with you. That's that is ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. Um, what's this other one on here? Uh oh. Also by Screen Rant. Basically, there is a comic that came out uh, that it kind of explained uh, when Vader was talking to Jabba um, about Obi Wan and why Obi-Wan was here. Essentially, it was like explaining how the Empire didn't know Obi-Wan was on Tatooine, and it was because Obi-Wan had a bunch of run-ins with Jabba the Hutt, and uh, pretty much like the 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 thorn in the side, that I think was the quote that, that Jabba used, um, that Obi-Wan was, the old wizard was, there was a lot that, I don't know, I don't think they worked together, but essentially there was interactions between the two of them, and I believe it's because of the fact that the huts had such notoriety that the empire didn't want to have anything to do with any planets controlled by the huts, mm-hmm. including Tatooine because Jabba. Um, and because of that, they never came in to do any digging. No inquisitors came by any of that necessarily that we know of yet. Uh, and that like Jabba was just trying to deal with Obi-Wan himself, not realizing that he was like a Jedi, you know, necessarily. I guess. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so that was essentially what it is. Is like star Wars confirms why Obi-Wan never was found. And it was like a, a couple of lines in a comic, one of the Vader comics, or maybe it's one of the war of the, I don't remember. I, I closed down the tab to the article. Um, but essentially that's what it was, was just them explaining that like, yeah, the huts had such notoriety and such like control over things that the empire didn't want to have anything to do with any type of hut space or hut controlled planet. And being that Obi-Wan was on one of those, they never came looking. They never thought to. And that's what kept him. Essentially, the huts were what kept him in a roundabout way safe from the Empire. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah. And I don't think it was until it wasn't until the, they came passing by and uh, they sent out the escape pod that the stormtroopers yep. came down looking for the droids. So, you know, interesting. And that was only because they the Death Star plans were leaked. And that if it wasn't for that, they probably would have never come to, you know, that's why he was able to hang out there. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking <clears throat> anyway, of huts. Yeah. My man. Uh, we're going to run through some of the June issues of the War of the Bounty Hunters comic event. Um, Let's do it. Do you want to read this uh, this first one about the War of the Bounty Hunters number one? Or do you want me to get in on it? Uh, you can go ahead, hop in. Set the tone. Set the All tone. Right. Um. <clears throat> So we're talking about the June issues, War of the Bounty Hunter. First one we're talking about is War of the Bounty Hunters number one. This is the June second, uh, twenty twenty one issue. Uh, so we'll we'll just run through the the little write up about it, and then we'll talk about it <clears throat> yeah, afterwards. Sure. All right. Um, After the opening crawl, which simply states that Solo has been stolen from Boba Fett, we find ourselves on a mysterious ship in deep space. A hooded figure welcomes back her minions, who have brought back Han Solo encased in carbonite. Their leader laments about being stuck in the right dream could be better than some realities. With Solo in their possession, they can send the invitations 
and he can begin to serve his purpose. Despite robbing one of the most dangerous bounty hunters in the galaxy, their leader isn't bothered, considering the size of their organization is too big for one man. Uh, Boba Fett is on a bar on Nar Shadda, venting to a bartender about how he has been robbed and someone needs to pay. Unbeknownst to Fett, there is an open bounty on his head, so any and all bounty hunters are after him. A deadly duo have caught up with them, setting off a small charge on his ship as he approaches it. Zuckus is trapped, or excuse me, Zuckus has Fett trapped, which surely means that his partner Forlom isn't far behind. Boba agrees to stay down until the odds are back in his favor, of course. The two bounty hunters simply want information. Where is Han Solo? Boba doesn't talk much and is mostly just annoyed that they damaged his slave one. Fett uses the ship's cannons to gain the upper hand. Uh, in a series of brutal moves, Fett kicks Zuckus off the platform, finds the damaged droid Forlom, chops off his head, and plugs it into the computer of his ship to learn what he wants to know. Fett realizes that Jabba has put out a galaxy-wide bounty for him, dead or alive, with Solo as a bonus. So that, uh, <laughs> so that can lead the infamous hunter to only one place, Jabba's palace on Tatooine. He discards Forlom's head off the side of Jabba's palace entrance as he enters. So it looks like he was getting that info as he was going to Jabba's palace. And yeah. I love that shot. He's walking up to Jabba's palace and he just <clears throat> shucks Forlom's head off the, the platform. Yeah. Um, Fed is met by Bib Fortuna, Jabba's right-hand man, and the two discuss why Jabba placed the bounty. Jabba may have been mistaken, but not much can be done about it now. The HUD isn't home. Uh, Jabba is aboard his war barge in hyperspace. We see the huts convening together as a council, discussing the invitation they have all received. The huts have been given an offer to obtain Solo by a known group who haven't been seen in years. Whether they are the real deal or not is irrelevant to Jabba. They have sufficient proof that they are in possession of Han Solo, and that is enough. Jabba decides to agree to the invitation and vows that the huts can deal with this organization should they become a threat. Meanwhile, Bib has told Boba about the invitation Jabba received from that group that stole Solo. After some punishing, or punishing, after some pushing, he shows him the message that was sent from Crimson Dawn, who haven't been seen in over seven years. Uh, Crimson Dawn are giving Solo to Jabba as a gesture of goodwill and proof that they can obtain things that others can't. Boba Fett is now on a mission. He wanted someone to kill, and now he knows who that is. He's going to get Solo back and get revenge. In the comic's final scene, Crimson's Dawn, Crimson Dawn's leader is asked why Solo is so important. He's just one man, man uh, and an unimportant one at that. To which Kira is revealed, stating, Han has always wanted to save me. Now he'll get his chance. Yep. <clears throat> so this is like, I think this is technically like the pilot issue. The other ones were kind of the, the setup issues, but this is like, here yeah. it is. Crimson Dawn has Han Solo. They're going to give it to the huts. We got the huts inbound, emperor, uh, empires inbound, bunch of bounty hunters inbound. We got a, a bounty that was placed on Boba Fett. Whole bunch of crap stuff's going all, on. So. All, all kind of, all kinds of, yeah, characters and and whatnot are all about to come together in one area. Yes, sir. everybody trying to buy Han Solo, and yeah. for some reason, Kira the, is. You know, I don't know. I don't know what her end game here is, but uh, apparently she thinks that doing this is going to somehow give Han a chance to save her. Uh, but save her from what, you know, is like you've been in hiding. What do you need to be saved from? I mean, if I'm anything, sure we'll find out, but she's going to use Han to reestablish like her notoriety within the Crimson Dawn. Yeah, 
maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like a a, a passive a passive saving or a metaphorical yeah. saving. Yeah. Is yeah. Her using Han as a bargaining chip is going to save the, the yeah. yeah 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 that's that's probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like how Boba just it, it you know doesn't give a crap. You know, he's just not at all. Not he's at like, all. I need Han Solo and I need my money. Like, yeah. And yeah, he's no, you know, nobody gets in the way of Boba Fett when he's when he's on a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, the next issue, Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 13 from June 9th, 2021. Um, this time we get to see Valance and Dengar again. They're trying to track down uh, Boba Fett. And so uh, they end up on Nar Shaddaa, uh in pursuit of him. And uh, so Dengar has a contact, an arms dealer that they want that he's like, well, if anybody knows anything on Nar Shaddaa, it's this guy. We should go talk to him. They see him standing in the middle of the street or the, the marketplace and Valance is like, that's him. Let's go talk to him. And that, you know, Valance is like, you know, Dengar's like, wait a minute, let me do the talking. It's taken a long time to establish this relationship. I don't need you, you know, going in there and ruining it to which he basically says, I'm doing what I want. And he walks up and just punches homeboy in the face immediately. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just, just It punches him instantly. And he goes, Hey, uh, you know, I forgot the dude's name. I thought, I don't know if it's in here or somewhere, but, uh, Essentially, he just like, hey, you're this guy. And he's like, you know, you know, who told you that or whatever. Anyway, he starts telling him, like, I need information about Boba Fett. And uh, the dude essentially just tells his goons around him, hey, kill these guys. So this big old blaster fight breaks out and uh, the arms dealer starts take uh, taking off uh, and uh, they start chasing them down. So the so so Dengar and Valance are chasing this guy through the, through the marketplace. It turns out C3PO and uh Chewbacca are both there on the mission looking for uh Boba Fett as well. Um because they're trying to find Han. Luke sent them there. They're mere, they're there to meet Sagwa. Well, they it's one of Sagwa's contacts, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um telling him about where to find Han or where to find Boba Fett cuz like Sagwa said some uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly what he said, but uh um Yeah, so Essentially, they're there, and as they're talking to uh, Sagwa's contact, uh, the arms dealer comes running through, and Valance runs into Chewbacca. And if you remember to last week, we were talking about how uh, Valance had a flashback to when he was on a job trying to take out a smuggler, only to realize it was Han Solo by seeing Han and Chewbacca. And, you know, Han alluded to saving uh, Valance's life. Uh, while he was yelling at him, being like, Valance, I saved your life. Whatever. Chewie's like, we got to get out of here. We're going to die. So they run into uh, Chewie. Chewie sees Valance and remembers that of being like, you just tried to kill us not that long ago. A brawl breaks out, right? Chewie's yelling some stuff um, uh, in Shriwook, and Valance is trying to explain to him, like, hey, it's a misunderstanding. Like, I was trying to protect you guys. I was on a job. I didn't know it was to kill you when I saw it was you. I was like, hey, warning shot type of deal. Um, Chewie doesn't care. Chewie's pissed. He's trying to beat the crap out of them. They're brawling. Dengar's loving it. He's sitting back and watching. That is until, you know, Chewie recognizes Dengar. Because I guess in the throwback episode, uh, not episode issue, Star Wars 11, uh, Dengar attacks and electrocutes Chewie. And Chewie doesn't forget that either. So uh, Chewie recognizes Dengar and uh, just knocks him out cold. Yeah. which Star so, Wars 11s from over five years ago. So it's cool. That yeah. They, like we're able to connect that. And that one takes place between New Hope and Empire. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, so Valance finally gets a chance to explain to Chewie that he didn't know the target was Han uh, when he took the job and that he knows that Han saved his life uh, in the Imperial Academy. Uh, so Chewie accepts Valance's admission and apology, uh, ends the fight, and through C-3PO's translation, they 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 lay down the law, essentially, for him uh, that, you know, he doesn't want his help right now, but maybe in the future, when we need your help, we'll come find you. Um so then Dengar and Valance get their chance to finally interrogate that arms dealer. Um, and he tells him, he tells them rather that uh, uh, Jabba was the one who put the bounty up on Boba, that Crimson Dawn stole Solo, and that Jabba, uh, but Jabba believed it was Fett uh, that had stolen Han. Therefore, that's where the bounty came from. And uh, uh, catching up uh, or whatever. You know, that's kind of everything comes to a head, like everyone's kind of caught up on what's going down. And then uh, Valance is like, nah, uh, Crimson Dawn can't be back. And then gets the, you know, the the contact gets sniped right in the head, right in front of them, uh, killing him on the spot. So uh, that's pretty much where the episode ends or the issue ends is like them being like, oh, this you're, you're lying. This can't be true. And then yeah. as he's, you know, it's very reminiscent of uh, Attack of the Clones. Sure. Um, and apparently there's a fun fact, the sniper assassin. After them, it's called Death Stick and is the daughter of a night sister, first appearing in the 2015 mobile game Star Wars Uprising, mm-hmm. which I did not know. So, yeah, that one wrapped up uh, Star Wars uh, Bounty Hunters number 13. So, yeah, kind of just, again, uh, moving moving the story along for, for yeah. Valance and Dengar to Everything ultimately end up. Everything is kind of funneling <laughs> at this point, right? Like all these yeah. characters are in here and they're just working their way towards that center where they're, you know, we're ultimately going to have a clash. Right. Um, the next issue is Star Wars number 14, which came out June 16th. Uh, and this is, let's see, uh, Luke, Chewbacca, and C-3PO have returned to the Rebel fleet after the events of Star Wars 13 and last week's Bounty Hunters 13. They meet Leia aboard the Millennium Falcon, and she reveals that she's got a message leading her to Han. Han is no longer in Boba Fett's hands, but in the crime syndicate who are selling him at an auction to the highest bidder. Relaying this information to the Rebels, none other than Holdo, uh, from Although. the last Jedi, uh, she's been working with the syndicates in an attempt to secure supply chains to the rebels. So Holdo has been actually like working with some of these crime syndicates in order to get mm-hmm. supplies to help the rebellion, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. It gives her a little bit more of a purpose um, than crashing a, a star destroyer or through a star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to be uh, infiltrating an event run by crimson dawn then they quickly realize they're going to need someone who knows a lot of shady people and that's lando after the events of the last few issues leia doesn't know that she can trust him though uh chewie finds lando and lobot at uh what is the rebellion ship equivalent of a bar lando is quick to agree to help uh not appreciating the wookiee skepticism as he feels somewhat responsible for what has happened to han which he is uh Lando always has an ulterior motive, though. A gathering of all the galaxy's big players is going to mean that he can do a bit of business on the side. He has decided to sell the rebels new code droid, uh, sell the rebels new code droid to Jabba the Hutt and plans to leave it in space at the meeting, allowing the Huts to pick it up. So he's like, I'm going to hitch right over here. I'm going to mm-hmm. pitch this droid outside. They're going to pick him up and make some money. We're also going to get Han back. Um, as the team are in hyperspace en route to the auction, Leia reveals her plan to play a, uh, the part of a royal from an obscure planet 
bid on Han, and win. Lando isn't 100% on board with this plan, given the Crimson Dawn's history. Arriving at the destination, Lando goes to check the gun ports, just in case the plan backfires. He's actually gone to jettison the droid he smuggled aboard. Uh, we find out a few issues ago that this droid can actually remove the neural blockers that have subdued Lobot's personality. Um, and the droid knows that that's his only leverage. So as they're uh, jettisoning him out of the ship, he briefly gives Lobot his personality back to which Lando's like, oh my God, like what? Like Lobot. And then proximity is required though. Uh, and just mm-hmm. as the Falcon gets a little bit further away from the droid, uh, Lobot returns to how he was. And just as Lando is scrambling to find a plan, the ship speeds up and there's nothing Lando can do. So Lando had like a glimpse of his friend being returned to normal and mm-hmm. then it went away. And I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, the reason for the sudden speed increase is that Chewie has a new plan. Unfortunately, the Black Suns have the same idea, come out of hy- hyperspace right next to the Falcon, causing Chewie to scrape against the ship while turning. Black Sun's not happy about this and launches fighters after the group. Chewie has another plan. Pretend to crash to lose them. Lando isn't a massive fan of the plan. Both plans work, though. The Black Sun have stopped the chase, and the crash landing is near to the main Crimson Dawn ship. All they have to do now is save Han and get through the countless other criminals to reach him. So, yeah. That was a fun one. I actually liked that comic. That one was a pretty good one. Uh, It's interesting of, like... uh, Yeah, it's like... Lobot's he's been hacked basically mm-hmm. by this droid or something. Um, and we don't really know what exactly happened because we didn't, at least I didn't read the earlier episodes as to when this happened. Um, what it is interesting to hop in the middle of it and to see like, you know, Lobot's pretty much been hacked into. He's not himself. He's on autopilot for the most part. Um, yep. Other than for a brief moment, you know, uh, when the, when this droid unlocks him, but then, sends him back because apparently you know the closer or the further away he is the less than he or he can tap into his old self or or whatever it is um but yeah like it's nice it's like cool to see like leia you know like you've got the crimson dawn coming in of course you're gonna have to have players from when we first saw crimson dawn and lando is one of those players and he's gonna know a little bit of something um about how to deal with them and so uh yeah, and it, I remember it mentioned, uh, I believe it was in this one, uh, where Lando, I think, was saying that he was talking about the leader of the Crimson Dawn mm-hmm. and that uh, he knew of uh, 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 Dryden Voss, but he always knew that Dryden worked for somebody much worse. They didn't know who it was. Um, I believe that's this. Ep- was that in this issue or was that last week? I, I think remember. that was in this issue. That we yeah. Just read. yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of neat because like we all know who that was or is, you know, or at least it was at the time, because we also know that at this point, Maul is dead. Right. Um, if you've seen Rebels, spoiler alert, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so we know that Maul is dead. So Maul isn't the leader. We all know that. So that must mean Kira is the actual leader leader of Crimson Dawn now. Um, and this kind of like this kind of leads us to, to believe that the crimson well, with the way everyone's like crimson Dawn's been gone forever. Right. Um, this is taking place between episodes five and six. So this is only a couple of years since the start of a new hope, which means it's probably what I would say it's no more than 10 years since solo and mall was alive in solo so within the last 10 years, the Crimson Dawn has evaporated, mm-hmm. so to speak. 
So that kind of leads me to believe that when Maul died, the Crimson Dawn probably disbanded for the most part, except for Kira and whoever else was loyal to her. And they've been kind of, you know, always been in there playing, pulling the strings from the shadows. Somehow Crimson Dawn has returned. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought it was a fun issue. Um, and it is kind of cool to like, I mean, part of me is is on that same fence like we talked about last week is like this. Is this all a vehicle just to tie in all of our stories together to make what we saw on screen make sense? Some last Jedi. And it, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like, yeah, they explained that Amalyn Holdo was uh, a friend has been friends with Leia since she was a teenager in this issue, you know, um, and yeah, it's like. They are doing that for the most part, but like it's it. also fun you know it's it's i kind of like it too that's right as long as they don't treat me like i'm a child um the next issue is star wars darth vader number 13 from june 23rd 2021 uh again this one opens with another montage in vader's mind he's putting together uh the like the correlation the hope that obi-wan puts in luke and the path that that luke is 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 has taken um and uh pretty much putting them to the point where it's going to make him defeat Vader and the Sith. And so like that realization trips him, sends him into even, even darker of an area. Uh, and it pretty much solidifies the fact that he's like, I'm going to do uh, everything I can uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. And I'm going to kill anyone who gets in my way. Um, so, he pretty much, yeah, he chooses that that's anybody gets in my way, I'm going to kill him. And now this is like where we were left left off last week. We saw Vader with Ochi uh, of Bastoon standing in front of Boku slash Goku the Hutt. Um, I'm just going to call him that from now on, <laughs> Goku the Hutt. <clears throat> the eight pack, right. the eight pack slug. Um, and uh, they're standing there. And this is when Vader proposes to 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 Boku that, uh, you know, you should overthrow Jabba. And in in Boku's like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't overthrow Jabba. Jabba's like the most notorious of all of us. And and Vader's like, but this is what you guys do. Like, don't you want his power? Like, you can take him out, no problem. Um, and so Boku's like, you know, you know, Vader's got his, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to find Han, right? He's ultimately trying to get, he wants, he wants to kill Solo. And so Boku basically agrees to like take him to the place, but uh, they're at, but Boku's after a group of bounty hunter droids, um, out in out in hut space, and the hut Boku's reluctant to to have Vader and the Empire and OG go out into hut space, uh, uh, alone unchecked because you know it's hut space. So he offers to take them out there for them to go after the the bounty hunter droids, and um, once they get there, it's mm-hmm. called Z Nine City Seven, um, on an unnamed planet, the droids. Notice them immediately and are super, I don't know, they're droids, whatever. They hack and slice into the systems of the Imperial shuttle that comes down because Boku's like, yeah, we're going to put your shuttle on my barge because if your shuttle flies in there, you're dead immediately. So we'll drop you off. Basically, as soon as that shuttle comes out of the barge, they get hacked, they get sliced and the shuttle crashes. Um, Boku is impressed with the droids abilities to uh, to crack those Imperial codes so quickly, uh, especially how difficult it is. Um, and once the shuttle crashes, there's an all out assault on Vader and Ochi. Um, Ochi's out there taunting the droids doing Ochi things, I guess. Uh, they're the same ones who attacked Vader in the first encounter with Ochi, um, which we didn't see 
uh, in the last issue. So it must have been an earlier issue. But uh, IG-88 pops up out of nowhere. Um, and he is the uh, he is the warrior, so to speak, of this uh, bounty hunter droid uh, army or, or, or group or whatever. Um, and for those of you who don't know, IG-88, one of the bounty hunters uh, that was hired by uh, Darth mm-hmm. Vader to find Han, I believe. He's right. We lineup. see him in Empire yeah. standing with Boba Fett. He's in the lineup with uh, with Boba and uh, uh, Dangar. Bosk. And, yeah. So Dangar, they're all there. Um, so essentially they start fighting. IG-88 starts blasting at Vader. Vader's blocking, you know, doing Vader things, blocking with lightsabers, only to realize he can't move all, all of a sudden. That's because IG-88 has a control that he got from somebody close to Vader that has the ability to control his life support and his entire, you know, yep. basically body. So Vader is now at the mercy of IG-88 and IG-88 explains to him that somebody close to you gave me the access codes. Vader's like, how do you have the access codes to mess with my armor? IG-88 it's like somebody gave them to me. Um, and IG-88 basically makes Vader bring his own lightsaber up to his neck. <laughs> it was about to make him kill himself only for Vader to remember that I've got the force. And so what he does, he uses the force to pull the remote from IG-88 and then makes IG-88 yep. blows on head off, right? Isn't that what he did? Yeah, makes him shoot himself in the head. Um, uh, yeah, so that didn't work out well. I mean, I don't know why anybody, droid or human, would ever think that they could stand up to Vader in any capacity. Um, but anyway, Boku is convinced the droid ambush uh, would have defeated Vader. At the, so what they decided to do was Boku was like, you need to, we need to fire down on this battle. And so he blasts a giant barrage and Vader blocks yeah. the giant blast from the barge yeah. with his lightsaber. <laughs> like, like he plants and puts his lightsaber up and using the force in the lightsaber blocks the giant barrage from the barge. Um, Comic Vader's OP, yeah, bro. I mean, that's Darth comic yeah. Vader is OP mm-hmm. as OP comes. Um, yeah. So that was essentially Boku trying to cover his tracks and it didn't work. And uh, Vader goes back up because um, he, he still needs answers. Um, and so they needed to get into the, sorry, they needed to get into like the, the computers and stuff that the droids were using to hack into stuff or hack into them uh, because it was very pretty pretty advanced um and the vader still needs answers didn't learn anything all he learned is that somebody close to him gave controls to ig88 and he killed a bunch of droids um but using ig88's components uh vader and ochi do access the database and uh didn't really give him much answers any answers um but ochi does notice something in the database and Mm -hmm. that is the crimson dawn so now ochi knows the crimson dawn's back everyone's starting to realize the crimson dawn's back so um Back on Coruscant, though, a (laughs) reconstructed IG-88, because apparently droids don't die. Um, He goes back to his acolyte, his uh, ominous acolytes. Uh, And Administrator Moore, which I don't recognize that name. Uh, I I didn't recognize it in the the issue. Um, So I'm assuming that was also from prior issues. Uh, But suggests that they have come to unite against the Emperor and Vader. And somehow... Palpatine has returned. No, they they know Han's importance and uh, they're using him to track Vader. So it's like all like it's yeah. this giant game of cat and mouse, right? Of like of like here's Han, 
being held up by Kira. Everybody come here. And then you've got everybody who's going there also bringing everybody who's after them with them. Oh yeah. It's going to be a cluster. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, I, yeah, I love Vader's trying to track Han solo to basically, he knows that Luke is going to be coming after Han. So he's trying to track Han solo to be around him. So when Luke comes, he can have Luke and then, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, all of the things and yeah, it's, it's, it's all culminating in the final issue. Number 11 from June 30th. Um, This issue opens with a flashback of Ebon Drake and a strange tag cousin flaunting his Crimson Dawn invite and eagerly awaiting a decadent meal. Aboard the luxury yacht, the Opal Empress, Drake anticipates the fortune and name he'll make for himself at the Crimson Dawn Gala event. Uh, Just as he's about to take that first bite of exotic caviar, a small claw emerges from its hidden side, foretelling Mm -hmm. what's to come. Um, Present day, Afra and Santa are... Is it Santa? 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 I'm going to say Santa. Afra and Santa arrive to find the Opal Empress and Ebon Drake in much a different state. The luxury yacht once uh, resembled Canto Bite, but it now looks more like Exegol. Uh, Afra examines Drake and discovers uh, discovers the Crimson Dawn invitation. Santa appears shocked to see Crimson Dawn has returned, and I'm hoping that means she and Kira may have some history. Uh, Remember Santa worked with Han in the past, even marrying him once as part of a scheme. So in other comics, Santa, who's working with Dr. Afra, knows Han and apparently married him as part of something. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Just Lucky, his name is Just Lucky. Meanwhile, Just Lucky and Ariel, Ariola, Ariel Yu head uh, for the Ooh, Crimson Ariola. Dawn event. Um, they're making preparations for survival, certain that they're going to be surrounded by the most wretched scum and villainy. When Delphins, their benefactor and head of the sixth mm. kin, uh, struggle with their orders to assassinate an old friend, supposedly turned traitor. While Lucky suggests there might be more to the story, Ariel is, I can't, it's, I look at it and I want to read Ariola so bad. Ariel is determined to carry out the <sighs> orders, but it's obvious he's suppressing his own doubt. We learn, uh, we learn they've known their mark, Cray, for a while. Despite their feelings, they press on and clear their feelings, knowing that they need to be on their game to survive amongst the Crimson Dawn Gala attendees. Um, Dirge is back, but not like you remember him. Gendy Tartakovsky's <laughs> Dirge spoke with his yeah. actions. Uh, this version actually interacts with Afra and Santa instead of just blowing them away. Uh, once the shooting starts, he still packs a blast. Dirge is also after Drake and isn't pleased that he's dead, turning the blame to Afra and Santa. Before they can explain, the culprit for all the deaths abo- uh, aboard the Opal Empress reveals itself. Seamotes, which are an extinct parasite which gestates in a host body and then kills them when they emerge, uh, which they were the exotic caviar that they were serving at this dinner. Um Mm-hmm. Drake and the rest of the party ate all of these caviar, uh, and then boom, <laughs> they're all dead. Um, and like Dirge, they're also very difficult to kill. So basically, a bunch of these things pounce on Dirge, and because uh, they're working together, so they're sitting there picking off these little symbiote things and cymotes. Excuse me, this mm-hmm. isn't Spider Man. Um, Spider Man. <laughs> this isn't Venom, uh, but they. Dirge gets like backed up into this airlock and then Afra 
seals dirge in there it's like sorry dude and opens it up so she vents dirge right into space taking all of the uh the cymotes with him um two of them waste no time mm-hmm. getting back to santa's ship to contact lady domino who's their boss um assuming lady domino wants the crimson dawn invite afra and santa inform her that they're on their way to deliver it instead she's sending them in her place uh she's very curious about these crimson dawns about uh crimson dawn's reemergence and so forth so you remember last week they went and they were tracking down this drake person because their boss was like he was on a mission yeah. or he told me about this mission but he didn't tell me what it was but apparently it's yeah i think it's it gonna be profitable so something. they track him down in yeah. this issue find that he's dead but he had yeah. this ticket for this invitation so yeah yeah and Domino she's like well you're gonna go in his place now you're gonna mm-hmm. and that's the crimson dawn yep and so, yeah, like we keep saying, all of, all of the players being funneled into the same spot for what is probably going to be the comic crossover of the generation mm-hmm. or whatever they would say, whatever they would say. Uh, but yeah, so that was the June issues. Um, yeah. Kind of getting there. It's about to kind ramp of getting up, there. Man. Like, well, I, mm-hmm. I imagine you're a little he- ahead, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got them spoilers in your brain already. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get a little more like intrigued in the, uh, you know, like I was interested about the, the dirge thing. Like, like I said last episode, uh, I didn't read all the way through Afra for whatever reason. I just couldn't get through it. <clears throat> and then when we were going through it, I saw dirge at the end. I'm like, Oh, I remember liking dirge from the yeah. Tartakovsky clone wars. And so it was kind of interesting to see him, you know, kind of speaking, um, to, to them uh, and for them to, you know, he, he talks about being notoriously hard to kill. And then, you know, Afra jettisons them out into the, to space and Santa, Sana, whatever her name is, um, you know, basically yeah. was like, well, what did you do that for? <laughs> you know? And she said something about, you know, I was whatever can't like, I knew we needed to do something. And then she goes, well, you know, he did say he is notoriously hard to kill. So let's hope that basically let's hope this doesn't come back to bite us. And I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Um, Yeah, I do like the uh, the the kind of alien esque uh, Mm -hmm. caviar or whatever um, that just like bursts out of the body or out of the face. Only in Star Wars, you got to worry about something like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for real, for real. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next ones. probably get those read up and either do them next week or, or get them all read up and, sure. and do them the week after or whatever, either way. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's been, I think it's been a pretty solid ep. Solid, <clears> man. It's probably, probably a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, if you're not already um, doing so head over to Instagram on Instagram at their only legends, go ahead and follow us over there. You can send us an email. They're only legends at gmail.com. Uh, other mm-hmm. than that, if you're watching on YouTube, everything below is there. Please like, comment, subscribe means a lot to us. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can go ahead and rate and review your boys, that also means a lot. It helps other people find the show. And you got anything else, my man? Nah, man. Just as always, like every week, you know, we appreciate and uh, thank you for watching and listening. Uh, we love all of you. Um, gives us, you know, reason to do what we do. So we'll be back next week for real this time uh, with another episode of Their Only Legends. But until then, as always, may the force be with you. Peace out.